But next week, I want to preach on, on, a, on a subject from, I'm not sure what I'm going to call it yet, um, but it's going to be about the Holy Spirit in the last days, and that's going to set us up for a series in the book of Revelation. Four Sundays, I think, at least four Sundays on the book of Revelation, but it's not going to be like the timeline thing, then this happens, then that happens, all these experts on that, you know, they're an expert until they're not. This is the way it's going to happen, and then it doesn't happen, they just change their timeline and preach that. So I'm not into all that, you know. All I know is I'm going on the first bus. Anybody with me? When Jesus comes, I'm going on that bus. That's all I know. And I'm just, I'm just going to stay ready. But I'm going to emphasize worship in the book of Revelation. Worship in the last days. I think God is doing something with worship. Bringing some things together that, that because of the last day and worship that will bring things to pass in the last days. You don't want to miss those four sermons. Um, uh, about being in the spirit and worship in the last days. Okay? Praise the Lord. Of course, you can always go online and get them there, and eventually they'll get on the radio. But this morning, I want to preach on this message, sleep through it, and I don't mean my message. It's dangerous to fall asleep in a Pentecostal church. You know that, right? Someone will hit you with a hymnal or step on your foot or something, so you got to Stay awake, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. Let's pray over the word. Will you pray with me, pray for me? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every opportunity. And help me to preach it as if it were my last message, because it could be. And Father, help us to receive it as a word from the Lord and not just some sermon. And we'll thank you for it and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All the saints say, amen. So Acts chapter 12, beginning reading in verse 1, we have often referenced this in sermons. I guess since I've been here almost 42 years, I've preached most of what's in the scriptures one way or the other. But I've always wanted to actually go here and preach a sermon. So I'm going to do it. Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. And I want to read it from the message because uh, he, he does an interesting job with, with this scripture. And you're probably familiar with the passage because you all read your Bible. Verse 1. That's when King Herod got it into his head to go after some of the church members. Sound familiar? He murdered James, John's brother. When he saw how much it raised his popularity ratings with the Jews, with the Jews, he arrested Peter, all this during Passover week, mind you, and had him thrown in jail, putting four squads of four soldiers, 16 soldiers, each to guard him. Think he was afraid he'd get loose? (laughs) He was planning a public lynching after Passover. All the time that Peter was under, all the time that Peter was under heavy guard uh, in the jailhouse, the church prayed for him most strenuously. Prayer meetings everywhere. Remember, thousands of people are now saved, and people are praying. James is already dead. 
Peter's going to die in the morning. And the church is praying. Four real quick points. You might get out early. Number one, you need to understand that there's a strategy to keep you bound. The devil doesn't care if you come to church. Just don't be all that you can be. The devil doesn't care even if you pay your tithes. Just don't believe in it much. And just don't become you know, aware of your purpose in life. I mean, if he lost you, he lost you. You know, he hates that. And he'll fight you over that. But the main thing he's concerned about is people finding their destiny and becoming people of faith. And worse of all, to actually become a witness and win other people to the Lord. Heaven forbid we ever do that. So there is a strategy, there's a plan to keep you in bondage. The scripture said, Herod got it in his mind. He got it in his mind. I, I, need, I need to do this. There's a plan. And he noticed that when he killed James, the Jews liked it. Now, now this is not a democracy. They're not going to vote on the king. But kings are smart enough to know that you need to do things that don't cause rebellions. Because Caesar doesn't like rebellions. And Herod is just newly appointed. Herod grew up in Rome. He knew the Caesar. He's over Judea now. He wants things calm. And if the Jews are happy, he's happy. Listen, do not think that just because you're in America that we're not going to face persecution. Because as soon as people start figuring out that the vote's on their side to give us a hard time, they're going to do it. If for no other reason, financial reasons, to tax our properties and start and just put us out of business, that's where it'll start. You know that. So we understand there's a plan. There's, a, there, 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 there's something going on here. Um, uh, <laughs> We look at what the Jews are going through right now. How many know there's a plan? There's a plot. But don't think you're immune from that plot. When you look at the charter of Hamas, and that's not Hamas, that's Hamas. When you look at the charter, it says right in their charter that it's their belief that they should kill every Jew. There are something like 15 million Jews in the world. Half of them live in Israel. 15 million Jews. Guess how many Muslims there are out of 8 billion people in, this, in the world. There are 1 billion Muslims and only 15 million Jews. Yeah, they're surrounded. <laughs> how many Christians are there? 2.3 billion Christians. But that includes. And, and let me say this not every Muslim is a terrorist. A lot of Muslims are, are good people. They believe in their faith, they don't believe in all this. But there's just enough of them. But what I'm getting at is in their charter, it doesn't just say kill every Jew, it says kill every Christian. We're on the list. And if they find an opportunity to do something against Christianity, these extremists will do that as well. We're on the list, but we don't need Muslims to do that. We got 
government people that <laughs> But Herod said, if it pleased the people, then he's, he, he went ahead and arrested Peter too. They'll, they'll do whatever they can get away with to have their uh, standard and their rule over the world. We talk about one world government. I want, I got it. Well, guess what? There is, there is going to be a one world government. And Jesus is going to be over it. <laughs> How about that? And the devil can watch from hell. Okay, moving on. But we see that he put 16 guards, 16 soldiers to keep Peter in his place. Here's something you need to understand. The level of attack in your life is equal to the level of your calling. Why did he put 16 soldiers there? Because this is a big guy. We have to make sure he... So if you're really getting attacked, that's just a signal, glory to God, that you're valuable to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you're going... If it's getting worse, you ought to praise God because God is up to something in your life. Give God praise for it. Did y'all get that? The level of attack is equal to the level of the calling. A second thing you need to notice about this is that they were stationed in four squads. So there's, as soon as you get through one, there's another. Did you ever say it? It never ends. I get through one thing and there's something else. You've all said it. Well, I've said it. But that's the strategy. The strategy is to wear you out, as Daniel said in the last days, that the devil's strategy is to wear out the saints. The strategy is to have, just because he thinks you might break out of one, but you're not going to break out of four. So he sets these things up. So as soon as you break through, you think, whoo, but there it comes, there's two more. So you've got these guards, 16 of them, four, 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 and, and he's handcuffed, <laughs> handcuffed to two of them. You know, the devil can handcuff, hand, handcuff? <laughs> The devil can handcuff your, handcuff your hands, but he can't handcuff your heart. Woo, glory to God. So that leads me to my second point. There's, there's, there's a sleep that's promised to the people of God. And that sleep is going to lead to a suddenly. We read that Peter... Was a, he's going to die in the morning. They're going to take his head off in the morning. What would you be doing if you knew they were going to take your head off in the morning? I mean, the soldiers, one's handcuffed. Yeah, he's handcuffed to two soldiers. He's laying there. <laughs> Just snoring away. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know. Would, I, would you be sleeping? Would you be sound asleep with guards on either side of you or your hands handcuffed to them? Sound asleep. I, I, where did he get that from? I think he learned the lesson when Jesus slept in the boat and the storm was raging and the boat was sinking and they said, Jesus, you need to... Jesus is laying in the boat. I mean, the water's coming. He must have got wet. That didn't even wake him up. Jesus, I mean, think about it. What boat's going to go down with Jesus in it? I said, what boat's going to go down with Jesus in it? Can I challenge somebody this morning? Well, how would your life go down if Jesus is in your life? Amen. Go ahead and sleep through it. Sleep through it. And Jesus even said, even Jesus, he said, haven't you learned anything? Where's your faith? Even if I'm asleep, let me put it another way. Even when you don't feel his presence, he's there. Even when the prayer isn't getting answered, he's there. Even though you don't know how it's all going to end, he's there. Even though it's getting harder instead of easier, he's still there. Sleep through it. Sleep through it. The boat's not going to go down. I said the boat's not going to go down with Jesus in the boat. <laughs> Glory to God. Does not the Bible say no weapon formed against me will prosper? Does it not say all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose? Did, did not Jeremiah say, I'm declaring, God said, I'm declaring your end from the beginning. He knows from the very start that you're going to heaven and it'll be all right. Didn't Paul say, he that began a good work in me will finish that work. I'm confident of whatever he's committed to me that I'll never lose that. I like what he said to Moses uh, and Joshua. He said, you're enemies all the ites remember the ites he said you will see them no more Woo! glory to god we know that it all works out (laughs) you know it's curious the jews the jews for a jew the day doesn't begin in the morning it begins at night y'all know this i think so when you go to sleep, that's the beginning of the day. Jews, like a Jewish holiday, begins at, at sunset the previous day. Isn't it interesting that's, that the day begins when the sun goes down? That's because the Jews know something we don't know. For us, the, the day begins when we get up because the day is all about us. But what we need to figure out here is that while you were sleeping, he was working. So when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you ought to do is say, God, what you've been up to? Because he's been putting angels in strategic places. He's been, he's been setting you up for blessing. He's been preparing things all night long so that when you wake up, you need to figure out what he's been up to. Because the day begins when you stop. Sometimes God can't do anything until we get out of the way. The Sabbath is not the end of the week to recoup. 
The Sabbath is the beginning of the week to get ready for what's ahead. That's why you need to be in church on Sunday. Yeah, but I, yeah, but you, you need Jesus. Oh, uh, I'll stay there until I get an amen. Wow. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and you know what? It's also interesting that nobody has great faith here. Peter did not. There's nowhere in the scriptures where it says Peter fell asleep because he knew God was going to let him out in the morning. There's no prayer from Peter to ask for release. So I don't think, in fact, it's not about Peter's faith because when the angel woke him up, he thought it was a dream. I mean, the angel walks him out and he's like, I'm, I must be sleepwalking. Yeah, man, oh, mighty man of faith. Oh, yeah, but peace, pastor, the church was praying. Yeah. When Peter knocked on the door, Rhoda said, ah! She runs, tells the prayer meeting in the living room, hey, Peter's at the door. They're praying for his release. And they say, nah. It must be his angel. How many angels are they seeing? They had more faith that it was Peter's angel than they had that it was Peter. So the church really didn't have a whole lot of faith in Peter. I mean, they killed James, so. They're just praying one of those, oh, God, give him strength before they, before they take his head off. Oh, Jesus. Peter didn't demonstrate faith. The church didn't demonstrate faith. Where is this coming from? I want you to get this. There's a lot of good word here if you're paying attention. Come on. It wasn't, listen, it, it wasn't about faith. It was about the call. Let me put it another way. Since Peter didn't get himself in that mess, he doesn't have to get himself out of the mess. Three people got that. It wasn't his fault he was in prison. He was in prison because he preached the gospel. He was doing what he was supposed to As long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you don't have to pray for God to change anything because God's in charge of things when you do what you're supposed to. Man, that's a powerful word. Ushers are coming back. We need to take another offering. How many are getting it? He didn't get himself in the mess. He doesn't have to pray to get out of the mess. Let's pick up the story in verse 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by, stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. None of that woke him up. And he struck Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise, quickly. Huh. I don't know about you, but if I saw an angel about to get me out of jail, the angel would not have to say quickly. I'd be pulling my pants on. I'd be... Getting out of here. 
What are you talking about? <laughs> and it's chains. Chains don't fall off your hands. You can't pull them out. They just... Wow. Then the angel said to them, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And so he did. He said, put on your garment and follow me. In other words, get dressed. You ain't going out like this. And follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. Mm -hmm. When they were past the first and the second guard posts that came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord, and they went and, and went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Mm -hmm. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know, Peter, you're slow. Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod, and I like this, and from the expectation. Some of us need to get free of the expectation. I don't care what the world expects. I know in whom I believed. All the expectation of the Jewish people. Oh, my God. Get this. He went through three doors. They opened all by themselves, locked doors. But when he got to the door of the church, it didn't open. He has to knock. Now, I don't know why he didn't just go in. The only thing I could figure is the door was locked. The angel got him through the other three doors. Sometimes the hindrance is not the world or the devil. Sometimes it's the church. Why are we seeing signs and wonders? What are we really praying for in the living room? And do we really believe it when it comes? He has to knock on the door. Rhoda must open one of those little things you look out. She sees Peter, and instead of unlocking the door, she runs, she runs to the prayer meeting. And they don't believe it. Meantime, Peter's like, what is wrong with these people? Sometimes it's, it's the church itself that's holding back the glory Church, if you're not hungry for glory, I don't think it's coming. If you're not believing God for the glory, it's not coming. Now, it's falling in places on people, but I want it to fall in the church. I want it to fall corporately. I want us all to be a part of it, but we need to get up and answer the door. Give God praise right there. There's a door. In the book of Revelation, Jesus said, I stand at the door and... Wow. 
Very next verse, John says, and I saw an open door. When you see that open door, go through it. Go through it. Go through it. There's just one more door. Church, we got to hit that door. I think that's what those messages will be about in the book of Revelation. We need to find that door. How many are hungry for the glory of God? I don't want to just come to church. I'm not here to warm a seat. I'm not here because someone will call me if I don't come. (laughs) Good luck with that, by the way. We're not babysitters. If you've got a need, we'll fill it. But listen, we're not babysitters. You know to come to church. Well, it's foggy this morning. Oh, my God. We've got to get through that door. The last door is on you. But here's the last point, and I'll be done. Acts chapter 12, verse 12. Still shaking his head, amazed. He went to Mary's house. It was in Mary's house. The Mary was John Mark's mother. The house was packed with praying friends. When he knocked on the door to the courtyard, a young woman named Rhoda came to see who it was. But when she recognized his voice, Peter's voice, she was so excited and eager to tell everyone Peter was there that she forgot to open the door and and left him standing in the street. I'm so excited, Jesus. Okay. Let's, make, let's get it in here. Amen? But they wouldn't believe her. What were you praying for? It's easy for us to judge. They dismissed her. Dismissed her report. You're crazy. They said. She stuck by her story, insisted. Why didn't one of them go out and see They still wouldn't believe her and said, it must be his angel. All this time, poor Peter (laughs) was standing out in the street, knocking away. Hello, I hear you knocking. Okay, never mind. The last door. But here's the last point. There's a process. You got to go through process. But God walked him through every bit of it. But he had to go through a process. But understand there's a process, but God's in charge. God's in charge of the process. Don't worry about how hard it is. Don't worry about you don't see the end. Don't matter that it's unbelievable. Don't matter that it takes an angel to do it. Just trust God in the process. Am I hearing? Is anyone getting this? So verse 20, let's finish this up. Verse 20 says this, because God has a way. I like how how this story ends. Yes. Now Herod being very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord and having made Blastus the king's personal aide, their friend, they asked for peace and all the politics going on there because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. A little politics, right? So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. Stump speech. And the people kept shouting, 
the voice of a God and not of a man. Ooh, what a speech this was. Wow. Then immediately, say immediately. Sometimes the suddenly will lead to an immediately. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. Technically, he was a Jew, by the way. Technically. He did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. Hate it when that happens. I mean, he's giving a speech, and a worm goes, You're over here. (laughs) But, say, but. But the word. Say, but the word grew, multiplied. He died. The opposition died. What kept you died. What kept you bound died. But the word grew and multiplied and more were saved and the word went forth and the church grew. Let the world do whatever they want to do. It's all going to work to the glory of God. Give him praise in the house. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Praise the Lord one more time. Amen. How many know God is good? Oh, hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Sleep through it. Say, sleep through it. My God, I feel the Lord. Jesus. How many know he's in the house? I'm asking God in these last days. Because if you just turn on the news for just a few minutes, you get stressed. Except that you understand that God's going to use all that mess to bring about the end. Oh, yeah, he's in charge. He's in charge. I said, he's in charge. (laughs) The devil... Devil doesn't think so sometimes. You think he'd learn. He's been there before, like when Jesus was in the tomb. <laughs> kind of blew that. He's in charge. And it's all going to work out exactly according to the plan. So, my word to you this morning is whatever you're going through, whatever you will be going through in the days, weeks, months, I don't know that we have years to come. Learn how to sleep through it. You can't fix what God intends on fixing. 